Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back live with more of Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score and Odyssey Station. We think our team is great. But statistics will tell us which something one? else. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> statistics so, uh, which, will tell which us team are we talking about? All of them, Anthony Heron. <laughs> it's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron here on 670 The Score. And I am you know, I've took a look at this information, Ann, and it's really mm-hmm. good stuff because it really puts in perspective, like, where your team is as a, c- compared to where you think it is yeah. in the grand scheme of the NFL. And it, it's, it's a chicken or egg conversation, I think, when we talk about the quarterback or the franchise or – which element of it really leads a team to sustained success? And the Bears, like some of the numbers I put together, we kind of set this up in the previous segment, uh, finishing up the first hour here. But the Bears, over the last 25 years, since 1999, over the last 25 years, the Bears have been had a 500 or better record 11 times over the last 25 Terrible. years. Terrible. Terrible. That's not even That's not even uh, 50% of the time, man. Right. And they've, they've made one Super Bowl appearance, did not win that Super Bowl. So they're 0-1 in the Super Bowl. But the coaches who have led them to the playoffs over that time, Dick Jerron had a playoff appearance. Lovey Smith had several playoff appearances. Matt Nagy had multiple playoff appearances. But six times in the last 25 years, the Bears have made the playoffs. That's just, you know, that that is not a great batting average mm-hmm. for a team mm-hmm. to at least be in the mix, to at least be mm-hmm. good enough to, to make the postseason. And then from there, you know, who knows what happens. Maybe you don't, you know, consistently reaching a Super Bowl. Very few franchises do that. The Bears have even been in the playoffs only six times over the 25 years. That includes the entire time Lovey Smith was there. And I think even Lovey's time, we'd almost think of that and say, well, man, Lovey had to have made the, the playoffs at least six times. No, that's every coach the Bears have had in the last 25 years. It's a total of six times for the franchise over the last quarter century. Go Bears. Exactly. But there are teams, there are franchises in the NFL that have been able to, over the last quarter century, sustain success. And so my thing is, I think there's so much nuance to the conversation of of the Bears not only looking to draft the right guy, get the right quarterback, but whether it is sticking with the current guy, going to get the next guy, then how do they get to the point that some of these other franchises are? And there's a number of examples of teams who have performed at a much higher level, sustained success far more consistently than the Bears, and it hasn't just been because they got the right guy. I don't believe that, you know, it's one thing for the Patriots, you look at it and say, yeah, the Patriots kind of lucked into Tom Brady in a way. Sure. sure, that's fine. Did Green Bay luck into, you know, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers? Maybe they did. I don't know. But at least that, I think there's some of those examples where you say, all right, that's a team having the right guy or, in Green Bay's case, back-to-back the right guys, and they got the guy. And so you sustain success with that. But the majority of the teams around the league who win at a much higher clip than the Bears do, 
it's not just about kind of having the the one right guy. The Baltimore Ravens have been to the playoffs and won a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer going back to the year 2000. Steve McNair have, has led the Ravens to the playoffs. Joe Flacco, of course, did. Lamar Jackson now in the midst of doing that. It, is it just about, in the Ravens' case, were they just lucky that they got Trent Dilfer, Kyle Bowler, Steve McNair, Joe Flacco, Lamar Jackson? Those are all guys over the last quarter century who have led the Ravens to the playoffs. And they've been 500 or better 20 times out of the last 25 years, That's the Baltimore crazy. Ravens have finished with a 500 or better record. So they are just constantly in the mix. They've made two Super Bowls in that time, won each of them in doing that. The Eagles are a team I've used as a pretty consistent example here of just sustained excellence with Donovan McNabb, Mike Vick. Nick Foles had a couple of excellent seasons and, of course, was the guy who ended up being the Super Bowl MVP. Carson Wentz, the initial blip of his career, that was in Philadelphia with the Eagles. Hasn't been good anywhere else. Nick Foles hasn't been good anywhere else. But those guys were able to play at an excellent level for certain periods of time in Philadelphia. And, of course, right now it's Jalen Hurts. Is that just about them, quote-unquote, getting the right guy? Or is there something the Eagles are doing? To me, I think those franchises are just two examples of teams that deserve credit. The Seattle Seahawks, I can get into their numbers. They deserve credit to me for not just going and getting the right QB, but where the Seahawks have had John Kitna, Matt Hasselbeck, Russell Wilson, multiple head coaches in that time, Holmgren and Pete Carroll both won at a high level there. Those are two Hall of Fame coaches, and they deserve credit for that. But if you get the right coach, you also win with several quarterbacks over that time. It's not to me, those aren't examples of Russell Wilson now in Denver struggling that's not just as simple as they got the right guy, so everything else kind of fell into place for them. All right, so let's let's let's, let's stop with those three first. Mm-hmm. Gabriel Ramirez, Anthony Heron, six seventy the score. Um, we're looking at teams that have had sustained sustained success. Jeez, <laughs> sustained success. Uh-huh, right. We've said it right. too many times in this said hour and ten minutes. Right. Um, and trying to figure out what those variables are, ones that are statistically significant. And when if we were to just stop at those three, let's just that's before you know we have a, mm-hmm. a huge list here. Mm-hmm. But let's stop there and let's try to at least try to pinpoint what that could be. Now, if we're thinking about 1999, beginning in that era, mm-hmm. you're thinking of teams that probably, if, if you're at least, I would assume mm-hmm. that some of those teams were having success probably prior to that. So they had a an infrastructure set up to on some of those teams. Mm-hmm. Right? But like when you're looking at you know Seattle, Philly, and Baltimore. The three things that I think immediately when I think of those teams are defense, mm-hmm. right? So that's just like mm-hmm. immediate. I'm like, okay, right. well, those teams have good defenses, yeah. right? So that's part of their identity. And then I think, you know, when you go and look, you have a a John Harbaugh, and Andy Reid, a Pete Carroll, where at least, I don't care how long you had them for, <laughs> at least they were through the doors, right? Yeah. So, so without even looking at quarterback, mm-hmm. you're looking at variables that are statistically significant. I would think that, defensive statistics or however, you know, yeah. however high-performing those defenses were, that'd be one. If you were to look at wins or just, you know, any kind of thing along those lines with the coaching staff, that would be that. Are, I guess what I'm trying to say is with those three teams, are we putting the value of whatever quarterback they have? Because you remove teams like the Patriots and mm-hmm. the Packers mm-hmm. because of their quarterbacks. Now, with, with this, you know, obviously the, the, the grade below, right, from a, from Hall of Fame status of people – do you think that they're winning because of their quarterbacks then? Like, or are their quarterbacks equally as important, or are they the third of that those three things in that equation, you would say? I think the the quarterback in all those cases was set up to perform 
at a reasonable or even high level. You look at the early stage of Russell Wilson's career in Seattle, where like his rookie season, he did enough to win the starting job, perform at a at a high level. You know, like I removed the Steelers from this mix because the the majority of at least the last quarter century of their success was with Ben Roethlisberger, mm-hmm. and the Steelers haven't won as many Super Bowls as the Patriots have, but. You know, I, I still, like with the Steelers and the Saints, I figured, all right, that's at least those are examples where you can say majority of what New Orleans did at a high level was with Drew Brees for over a decade. Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger for over a decade. But I would say even in the example of Ben Roethlisberger, that's a guy who had the opportunity to develop early in his career and become the guy who could pass the ball at a Hall of Fame level after having you know a great run game with Jerome Bettis early in his career, an exceptional defense amongst the best in football early in his career, and then his talents were nurtured in the same way that Russell Wilson's talents were nurtured early in the time in Seattle, and then he was able to shoulder more of the burden of being the one as a passer to carry them towards playoff appearances and division titles and maybe trying to get on the cusp of getting back to the Super Bowl. And so that, that to me, the quarterback position is important. It matters. But it's it's a part of the full scope of things for the majority of the teams that that do it at a consistent on a consistent basis. A team like the Dallas Cowboys, who over the last twenty five years, the Cowboys have been five hundred or better eighteen different times. Now the thing that stands out with the Cowboys, they haven't been back to the Super Bowl since Troy Aikman, and so the the quarterback being a separating factor. You can look at Dallas as being an example of even though we're coming off the best season of Dak Prescott's career. But then they still got in the playoffs. Dak struggled. They fizzled. So you, you don't have a guy who's similar to Tony Romo, maybe not a Hall of Fame level quarterback, but a part of what's separating him, him from that is the lack of postseason success. But in the regular season, Tony Romo and Dak Prescott, they're both better regular season quarterbacks than Eli Manning. Why Eli Manning is going to continue to get Hall of Fame consideration is because he got those two Super Bowls with stepping his game up in the playoffs. It's funny, I'm looking at this, Ant, because you know me, I love numbers and I Mm -hmm. love deep diving. And it's like, if I were to look at some, if I were a professor and somebody said, here's my initial thesis, take a look at this. And then, you know, your professor does a little glance over. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm seeing these things and it it seems so clear what the evidence is showcasing here. And it is that, you know, even just even mentioning Dallas, right? And I'm looking at some of these other teams that you have on here showing their you know, how many times they made the playoffs in the last 25 years, mm. how many times they've been over 500, who the head coaches are, Super who are the quarterbacks, and Super Bowl appearances. When you're looking, you're saying to yourself, okay, there are different ways to have success. Mm-hmm. But when you're looking at the components, let's say Dallas for, the, for just because you had just said that, mm-hmm. right? Well, Dallas, you'd say good defenses. What I, what I, I would say they had really good defenses, but what I was saying, what I think, like, you know, oh, my God, fearful, legendary defenses. Mm-hmm. No, so tick below those three that we mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. Quarterback play. I mean, when you're talking about, you know, Lamar Jackson's and Joe Flacco's, I mean, they're very similar to, like, a Dak Prescott and a Tony Romo in terms of productivity mm-hmm. where you've had them, right, the Jalen Hurts's, things like that. And then you go to coaching. That's your difference right there, right? <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, Bill Parcells, yes, mm-hmm. but like everybody else, you yeah. you see where like the it goes from like if you're if those other three teams that we mentioned were like were like ten ten tens, then you could see where where you might have like an eight ten seven, yeah. right. you know what I mean? If you're looking uh-huh. at the three things, but you're like, oh, but it equals success. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing it that it can be, and then if you look at some of these other teams, which which I really wanted to throw into this equation here, when you're looking at teams like Cincinnati, 
nine nine playoffs in the last 25 years, 500 or better 13 times. Head coaches Marvin Lewis and Zach Taylor, and you're saying to yourself, okay, well, maybe not a bunch of defense. Yeah. Head coach is not that great, but look at their look at their quarterbacks. And and Tens. actually, and that was one thing, like that was when I mentioned that kind of surprised me a little bit as I started doing this. Because initially I was just gonna, who are like, you know, three to five organizations that are just have consistently kind of been in the mix. Cause I've as I've engaged with this on Twitter a little bit over the last couple of weeks. That's one thing I pointed out to people that there's a number of teams who've gone for a couple of decades here who are always in the mix, who are winning consistently at a high level, regardless of the quarterback. Like with multiple, not, you know, regardless would be an overstatement, but with several different QBs, there are franchises who have sustained success. And it's it's got to be more than just we, quote unquote, got the right guy. Because right. there are franchises like Dallas, Baltimore, San Francisco, who have been able to sustain this with several different QBs. And it's it's more than just they lucked into the right guy. But what did they surround this guy with talent-wise? What was the coaching infrastructure in place? A guy like Alex Smith, who the first few years of his career in San Francisco was getting ready to get run out of town. Then Jim Harbaugh shows up, and you get the best version of mm. Alex Smith that we've seen. Then he goes to Kansas City and gets Andy Reid, and you get a sustained version of Alex Smith. Then Andy Reid gets Patrick Mahomes, and everything goes up to another level. So a lot of guys have talent, but you can be with a bad coach and a bad play caller and with bad franchises and still perform poorly. And that's one thing that I really dug, that even the discussion we were having in the commercial break, there's the yin and yang, the chicken and egg aspect of have the Bears not had the quarterback to even, you know, basically part of your question was have the Bears not had the quarterback to even begin a run of sustained yeah, like success. Like a healthy cycle of, you know, mentorship. Mm-hmm. We have The Bears haven't had that because they haven't even had a quarterback, one that's been good and good long enough to be able to have another quarterback come in right. to be able to kind of mentor them. Like, who's going to mentor you? Caleb Haney? Like, <laughs> who's going to mentor you? Right. You know what I mean? And I think it's a fair question, while at the same time I would say some of these examples are guys where, you know, Tony Romo was an undrafted free agent who had Bill Parcells as his head coach, saw that and said, all right, let me let me let this guy mature. Let me let him cook a little bit kind of on the bench, give him a little seasoning, and then here, Tony Romo, keys are yours. We're going to have a great defense and a great run yeah. game, and you will eventually get the keys to the car. And, yes, Tony Romo didn't win anything in the postseason, but Dallas is always in the mix. 500 or better records in the playoffs over and over again. Then Dak Prescott gets thrust into action as a rookie when Tony Romo gets hurt on the on the back nine of his career. But then even with that, here goes Dak Prescott with a great run game and an excellent defense. Through his first couple of seasons, Dak Prescott does not have to shoulder the burden of the Dallas Cowboys, and now he is to the point in his development where he's been able to do that for a couple of seasons as a volume passer, as a guy who can make plays late in games. Again, he's not getting there in the postseason, so there, there's a separating factor with some franchises from others, but Dallas is constantly in the mix. You never see the Cowboys like, oh, we we got to tear this thing down. We, we got to tank <laughs> to get the top pick right. in the draft. Some of these squads are just every year going yeah. for it, where now we just see again where the Bears are, all right, they, they lucked into the top pick. Are they going to get the right QB? It has to be evaluated deeper than whether or not the Bears get the right QB because a lot of franchises get it done with several quarterbacks over the last quarter century here. And it's interesting because I would want to like take this information and then say, okay, well, which team is the Bears, right? Because like mm-hmm. I said, some people – you said a second ago, Ant, it's not just about getting your guy, but, but, but it seems like based off this information that your guy – might not be the quarterback. Your your guy might be the 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 coach. 
And right. your guy might so so the coach might be able to get his guy, but mm-hmm. but the guy that your team got was the coach, or your, your the guy that your team got is the quarterback, and uh, Marvin Lewis is the beneficiary of that. The team that stands out the most to me on this list now mm-hmm. that I'm even because I'm, I'm getting excited about this stuff now mm-hmm. is Tennessee, right? Tennessee, yeah. like when you talk about su- sustained success, when you talk that about was a another team, one that surprised me as I was diving into. Yes, it because again, if I'm going to go ahead and take my my you know thesis of you know these things are all going to equate to the same number, mm. it's just going to pan out in different ways. Well, well, what's your what's your answer for Tennessee? <laughs> five hundred or better, fifteen, 15 times out of the last twenty five years, man. And again, for anybody who wasn't listening earlier. The Bears have made the playoffs six times in the last 25 years. They've been 500 or better 11 times in the last 25 years. It just feels like this great franchise in this amazing city with this fanatic fan base and a family and leading the organization who cares so deeply about it, that's just not good enough. And everybody at Hallis Hall would say that's not good enough. And you compare it with some of these teams, like the Tennessee Titans. I lived in Nashville for a couple of years. You've been to Nashville. Mm-hmm. It's a cool sports town, but it ain't Chicago. Mm-mm. The Titans are a nice franchise. It came from being the Houston Oilers, but it ain't the Chicago Bears, man. There's not that rich history. Right. So how have they been better, been in the mix more consistently than the Chicago Bears over the last 25 years? And if you if you were to take my my thesis of like the, the three categories and them equaling the same, this is one of those teams where like they'd all be eights. <laughs> right? Like they don't uh, they you know, maybe some other team had a six and a ten and a seven, mm-hmm. but this one has an eight and a head coach with Jeff Fisher and Mike mm-hmm. Rabro and eight with quarterbacks or eight point fives with Steve Steve McNair, Vince mm-hmm. Young, and and Tannehill, what he's done in the last couple of things. And then their defense, where you can say what you defense want about Tannehill. and run game, right? <laughs> Similar formula to what the Bears have always tried to establish, haven't consistently gotten it at a at a winning level. And, and that leads me to what I what what my question was right before that, which mm-hmm. is okay then. So if we've then we figured it out, we got the matrix. <laughs> it's not one answer; it's which of these answers do you want to then be mm-hmm. right? Which mm-hmm. where are you closest to? What's the what sauce do you do you have because you can go in your cupboard, and there could be twenty spices, right? Mm. But if but eight people could walk up and use those twenty spices differently, you're still gonna get those flavors because they're there. But they use the different ones. That's where the Bears are at right now. It's like, okay, well, what team then are you? Because what I really think, Aunt, the Bears did lose their identity mm. when when Tressman came in and Nagy that little window. Mm. I think it kind of stole who the Chicago Bears were, because if we're looking at this, this success over the last 25 years, mm-hmm. these teams have all been consistent. The Chargers didn't all of a sudden become a defensive juggernaut and start, you know, getting a get, get a mid-level quarterback. Mm-hmm. And then, st- no, no, they have great quarterback play. That's what they do, yeah. right? It's like, so these these teams, but that's what they do. So the Bears, like, get your good defense. Bears need to be, the Bears, there's no reason the Bears could not have been over the last 25 years. That, that first group that we were talking about, the Seattle, Philly, and Baltimore. Mm. And those are the teams, like at least, you know, obviously the listeners can't see the way I listed it, but basically I tried to do it sort of in ascending order where the teams who were maybe closer to the Bears and then at the bottom where we're talking about right now, Baltimore, Philly, Seattle, those are squads that, are, yeah, they, they've been in that championship conversation the most of anyone over the last quarter century here. San Francisco, you know, they've been in the playoffs nine out of the last 25 years. There was a big gap there, basically like the first decade of this century where San Francisco wasn't that good. But then now here over the last basically decade, kind of since Jim Harbaugh, now they've been able to sustain it. But you go back to like Jeff Garcia. All right, he was one quarterback under Steve Mariucci who made it. But then Jim Harbaugh came in and you got Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick, Jimmy Garoppolo, Brock Purdy. Now it's kind of like every quarterback who's in San Francisco 
with getting from Jim Harbaugh to Kyle Shanahan, who they just have this thing rolling and they kind of are always in that mix now. But there was a stretch where what in the 80s and 90s was kind of the preeminent franchise in football in San Francisco fell off for a minute. Now they've kind of had their guys. But to your point about coaching, that's where to me, I think the keeping Matt Eberflus for at least one more year here, that to me is, is as big of a decision, perhaps you might even term it as a risk for Ryan Poles here, as it would be if he kept Justin Fields for another year, because this is this is your window if, as you've been building things up to try and figure out if we're going to bring in another quarterback. And now there's the potential that you have the prove it year for a head coach with a rookie quarterback, and the third time in a row the Bears will be doing this with a with a first round pick as a QB. It doesn't guarantee you'd be messing it up, like we said. Alex Smith, a couple years in in San Francisco, once they finally kind of got around to Jim Harbaugh, he was able to kind of rebuild Alex Smith and make him into something that could make the playoffs and win at a higher level. So it didn't guarantee it. But the last couple of examples we've seen in Chicago, that just hasn't worked out where you bring in a rookie QB where a coach is in a prove-it season. I think we're going to discuss this a little bit more and just try to figure out what that should look like for the Bears. Uh, We'll do that before the hour is over and all the way up until 9 o'clock. That's how long you guys got us until. But coming up next... We're going to hit the little 180 donut, right? We're on the highway. We're like, Err! oh, man, we got forgot to pick up Joe Cowley. They're like a cronut. That kind of, if you don't going to have the full rounded donut, you don't got the full oh, 360 of the donut. You've right. got like the 180. Knowing how I drive, I probably, it, then I probably did the, what is it, 520? Oh, okay. Right? Now I'm doing my S. No, you passed guys mad. <laughs> I mean, you, I got it. I got 720 if you didn't make it multiple revolutions. Right. But yeah, I mean, it depends. 560. I'll do the math during the commercial break. (laughs) Joe Colley will come. I promise, Joe, no math. Only thing you got to talk about is buckets and how many uh, we should expect from Zach Levine in a Bulls jersey. Uh, We'll talk to Joe Colley and a little bit of Chicago Bulls on the other side. It's Gabe Ramirez and Anthony Heron here on 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back live with more of Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score and Odyssey Station. Left wing Barrett for three. Too strong. Long board to Kobe. Kobe over the midcourt line. Kobe's going to eat some buck here with five seconds to go. And this ball game is over. Bulls win. Bulls win. Bulls win. 116-110. We are dancing tonight in Canada. It got a little scary there towards the end of the game. But Bulls most certainly were able to pull it off. And we get to chat about the team right now with our next guest joining us on the hotline presented by Circus Sports Illinois. You know, and when I when 
when I get to talk Bulls, you know I get excited. That's the thing. With good reason. Right, yeah. with good reason, because nobody else likes to talk hoops with me. <laughs> and so when we get guests on, that's when, that's when it's exciting. So uh, from the Chicago Sun-Times, we get to bring on none other than Joe Cowley. Joe, welcome to the show. Happy Friday. I'm glad one of us gets excited about I it. I know. Trust, this is what I mean, Joe. Even when I talk to you, I know. I know what I'm getting. Um but, but you know what? I came prepared today because I have my own thoughts, gentlemen. <laughs> and you have, no, okay. you have no choice, Joe, to, to come along with me. Uh, no, one, one thing I wanted to uh, talk about, because I wanted to talk about other than, like, Zach getting traded and other things, things I actually see during the game. There was a lineup at the end of the first quarter, Joe. And, mm-hmm. I, and, I, and I've, I've been intrigued by, Billy's down, by, by, by his lineups lately because he's had to be, you know, he's, he's had to come up with some stuff on the fly lately, and I've liked it, but... At the end, it was at the end of the first. It was Io, Kobe, P. Will, Vooch, and Zach. No Demar on the uh, on the on the court, and I and I liked it because then it forced either Kobe or P. Will to be that secondary score because Vooch, you know, he still wants to facilitate. He's going to take his shots as he's been doing lately over the last couple of games. But right. but, but it's but but I feel like he's a good facilitator. But I liked it. But that lineup lasted for like sixty seconds before they pulled it out and and, and moved on to something else. I, when you look at the lineup and you look at, you know, getting P. Will and Kobe specifically opportunities to be that second or second option, not even the third. Sometimes they even crumble in those moments. Uh, why do you feel like Billy doesn't have the opportunity to do it as often as he'd like? Well, I think Kobe is becoming a first option, to be honest with you. Um, I, I think they feel just as good with, with him taking shots um, key shots yesterday, especially. You know, that's why I wrote about today for tomorrow. Is uh, you know, Batman may have finally found his Robin um, as far as closing games. You know, Zach's not very good at it. I think they need to develop a younger guy. So, so I would say, you know, Kobe, I think is is has become a number one option. P. Will, I mean, look, they try everything they can, lineup wise, matchup wise, to get him going before the ankle started flaring up. I don't think he's right. So it's hard to judge him right now. Um, You know, he's having some inflammation in there. It's creeping into the calf. He, you know, one of the things Billy talked about yesterday with me was, you know, this dude's got to start communicating with us and communicating with medical. And, you know, he's in a contract year. He played every game last year. So he's trying to hero ball through some stuff. And he's not right out there. So I wouldn't get too caught up in what you're seeing right now with with Patrick Williams because he's not right and they're trying to figure out on specific nights does he have it going is the ankle a problem if not all right do we got to pull him do we got to get a scorer in is he going to be kind of lethargic tonight so it's kind of hard to get a read on him and a feel for him when when they're mixing in different lineups right now with Kobe I, I kind of thought it was it was fun to see his development last season I thought okay all right mm-hmm. if this is Pete Kobe it's been cool it's nice to see that and then when, when Zach, the initial time Zach left the lineup and we just saw this explosion of Kobe White confidence and, and finishing games and, you know, having the rock in his hands and just this, this new, aggressive, and frankly, a guy who seemed to even think the game at a higher level as far as I could tell. Right. Maybe it was just him being put in those situations more often. Was it as simple as Zach out of the lineup and Kobe having that opportunity? Or how long has this been sort of lurking there below the surface waiting to emerge? I think the leadership portion of it uh, came when he got that contract this summer. Um, he talked about no longer feeling less than and, and feeling like guys instantly respect him because he's got that paper now, um, which kind of justifies 
his future with the Bulls. Um, so I think he found the voice first, and I think we saw that early on. I think it was a game in Toronto, actually, where he wanted Schroeder, and out of the timeout, Billy had um, Zach on Schroeder, and he grabbed Zach and he said, no, go over there, and Zach was trying to argue with him, and he kind of like shoved him and pushed him and said, no, no, go over there. I want Schroeder because, you know, I've been watching film on him. And So, you know, I, I think it started there. And, look, this guy, he surprised me because I didn't see – the work he would put in. He's kind of got a little Jimmy Butler in him as far as um, coaches could kind try and take credit. Well, I developed him. I developed him. No, Kobe developed himself just like Jimmy did from a scoring standpoint. Um, And and, and he took a huge jump this summer. You could tell he worked on his game and he worked on his body. Um, He just physically looks different. He, He looks like he can play with contact and play through contact. And so, um, you know, that's been, fun to watch is a guy just kind of take it by the horns and say, you know, I, I don't have to be number four option on this team. There's no reason why I can't be most improved player and I can't start putting up all-star numbers and being versatile. And so, um, you know, credit to him for doing that. And so, um, yeah, it, that, that, that's been, to me, that's been the biggest story besides Willie or won't he, as far as Zach being traded, it, it's Kobe's emergence and, what do they do with Zach in, I think, nine games left before the trade deadline? I mean, to me, that's the two storylines for the rest of this season. How does the the absence of Zach Levine, whether it's you know one week, a couple of weeks here with the this next deadline approaching here, in any way, do, does it impact what's already been a, a thin or non-existent trade market for Zach Levine? Does this hamper that even more? Yeah, I mean, you can't subtract zero from zero. So, I mean, you know, there's just there's there's nothing going on. And, you know, it, it looks like it's just a, an ankle. It doesn't look like it's the foot that's being affected again. Um, we'll know more tomorrow, obviously. But um, there, there's no market. There's, there's, there's nothing. So, unless someone gets hurt, unless a team loses that, that, that scoring punch guy or one of these young teams – decides they need an adult in the room, whether it's Orlando or Detroit or someone that wants to say, all right, we can't land a free agent of, of that has two all-stars on the resume, but we damn well can trade for one. The problem there when you have these younger teams is how do they make the money match and what are you getting back? So, um, you know, the, the Lakers seem to have moved on. They seem to be on DeJounte Murray um, as of tonight, as all the reports coming tonight. So, you know, the, the Knicks were rumored. Toronto were, was rumored. Um, they've all made their moves. They've all done their, their business. So um, could the Kings get involved? Possibly. You know, I think they feel like they, they can use another score. Uh, but there's just nothing right now. And, and that was my concern when he signed this Max deal is when you have a two guard who's very one-dimensional, you have bad Bradley Bill syndrome, and you get locked into things, and it takes a while to move that. So if they can't move them by February 8th, I think it's something we'll have to revisit in the off season. But then, then what do they do? They just kind of run continuity back. Are they just kind of stuck in mud to the end of the year? Or do they go ahead and say, all right, well, we can't move Zach. Maybe we go ahead and try and move a, uh, a, a Caruso or we move a DeMar DeRozan, but that's not on the table right now. Their, their number one goal is to move Zach. Yeah, I already bought my continuity T-shirts, Joe. I'm ready for them to, <laughs> <Nice>. to, <laughs> to wear them. We're talking to Joe Cowley from the Chicago Sun-Times here on 670 The Score. I am Gabe Ramirez along with Anthony Heron. I mean, obviously, there is a potential that Zach, you know, 
could still be a member of the Chicago Bulls following the trade deadline. So if we're living in the present and checking out, you know, his game, even the, the minutes that he did get an opportunity to play, there were there were a certain couple instances where I, it almost felt like the other guys on the team were looking past him to the next guy in order to move it in a different direction. And and and, and also in the beginning of the game, you know, Zach didn't take a shot till there were six minutes into the first quarter. Do you think he's being right. too passive? With this new, like, hey, I got to fit into this new style of the Bulls? Yeah, I mean, I think there's some of that. I don't think he's right with the foot still, you know, the conditioning. And, you know, I, I know he says he considers himself one of the better conditioned guys in the league, and conditioning's never an issue with him. But he definitely doesn't look right. Um, he doesn't look real aggressive. You know, I think ideally they, they would like to see him kind of take a Clay Thompson mentality where because he is so good at catch and shoot, um, or just become a catch-and-shoot guy. Don't pass up shots. If you come off a curl or you come off a pick or um, and, and, and you gotta, you got to catch-and-shoot, take it. Um, I think where they want to stay away from him is when the ball's in his hands and his decision-making, especially late in games. <laughs> yeah. I think that's where things get a little uh, off for him. But, you know, if you could just keep him to catch-and-shoot and, and keep it that simple because he is a um, – and he's a bad shot maker too. So I mean, even if he's they close out on catch and shoot, you know, I, I, I trust him probably more than anyone else on the team. Um, so if he could take that role, that'd be great. But I, I don't know. He, I think he just, you know, he sat for 17 games. He watched how good the offense looked, how the ball moved. Um, you know, even it wasn't even the assist; it was all the hockey assist guys were getting. You know, the pass before the pass, and so. I think he's tried to fit in somewhat, but he, he just kind of looks a little lost right now as far as what he wants to be and what he wants to do and what he is with this team. So how much of this, because the, I think last time I talked to you, Joe, I was talking about like the agency of, of Kobe White and, you know, when Zach comes back, can he sustain it? And it does seem like at least he has sustained that that agency with having, you know, DeMar, Zach, Vooch, all these other guys on the court. Kobe, like yeah. you're saying, does recognize he can still be the alpha in that mix, so with that in mind, is there – it feels like the Bulls are stuck in a, a level of mud here that they've put themselves in between Zach's contract and and just a lot of the running it back that they're – it doesn't seem like there's a good way out of it. So I, I don't know if moving Zach's contract being difficult is one thing, but even beyond that, what does the, the future of this season and beyond look like for Chicago? Like what is the best-case scenario for the Bulls in the coming months? And you know that's the, that's the problem. What is? What are they? What is it? How do they get out of this? Um, you know, I think their their ideal plan was to move Zach, see what they get back, see what assets they get back, and move him as quick as possible. Obviously, they were hoping to move him closer to the January fifth deadline, so they could have about nine or ten games with this new look roster and see what it looks like, um, and then assess do they want to go ahead and move Demar. I think their main goal right now is to hold on to DeMar because he's so good with the young guys and they do feel like he has value in that. And if that means extending him, you're basically paying for a 34-year-old to go ahead and be your mid-range guy. But more importantly, you're paying for a 34-year-old to be a mentor and continue to be a mentor. Um, but they don't they don't have a lot of outs. They've painted themselves into this corner. There, there aren't a lot of clean ways to move on from this team. You know what I mean? Caruso is your best asset by far. He's this year nine million, next year nine million. They consider him the culture. Why would you move that? I mean, he does things that you want everyone in your organization to watch and, and try and follow suit. And at that price, you, you, it's 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 almost criminal to move that. 
unless you get some kind of offer that you can't refuse and it involves getting back more assets for that 25 draft class, then I would think about it. And as long as those, it's, it's not protected, but I don't know if Caruso draws that. I don't know if he brings that in. And so, um, yeah, they, they are in a, they are in a bad situation. They are in NBA hell and they've been there for a couple of years and they've contracted themselves to stay in there for a couple more years, unless they can move this Zach thing and at least, get an expiring contract in return and start freeing themselves up in some capacity. Way to put a happy bow on this Bulls conversation. You want me to give you some kind of unicorn and I rainbow? Know, I do. <laughs> I know. But you know what, though? It puts me back into perspective. puts everything back into perspective, and that's why I'm glad. I mean, did, I what, Gabe, what do you see as a way out? Do you see a way out? No, and that's that's the biggest issue is that I, what you just yeah. said a second ago was just it, right? They would have loved to have moved Zach a little bit earlier we, and to see some people play that just look different so then that way you could maybe pivot from there. And the fact that they haven't had the ability to do that is really, really hurting them in the present. And and, that's and, really and it's frustrating. It's frustrating because you're seeing teams in their area code in the Eastern Conference that are very like teams that have that flexibility to make moves and get better and not only get better for this year, but Toronto's kind of doing it on the fly and on the run, still trying to stay competitive, still. which was what our tourists has wanted, has wanted to do. And he can't pull it off. If I mean, if the best case scenario then with, with, with Zach, what what mm-hmm. what would be the ceiling if Zach could find a way to kind of seize the the catch and shoot role with this version of Kobe and catch and a shoot poor, a Zach. poor man's Devin Booker? So that the, would be the ceiling in the my team, mind. but but the team as a whole. What what could oh. the Bulls potentially be then if you got healthy Zach at his best with this now newly furbished version of Kobe? Seven White? game series against the Cavaliers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, play in, try and get through the play in, and then, you know, who you match up with in that first round is probably going to be one of the, you know, the one or two seed, and then you just go one, two, three, Cancun and break. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's your immediate future. It's so true. It's, it's inevitable. It is going to happen. Hey, Joe, great stuff as always. I do love talking to you, regardless of, you know, the doom and gloomy ring in reality, in reality form, in reality form to the Chicago Bulls. Uh, have a great weekend, all right? Uh, you guys take care. Have a good night. <laughs> Joe Cowley, one of the best uh, from the Chicago Sun-Times right there. The thing, the, the thing that Joe doesn't understand is whoever it is that talks Bulls, these are the same conversations yeah, that right. I, like, you know my heart is breaking every <laughs> sentence that spews out of your mouth. They're like, I know, Gabe, but what do you want me to do about it? And I'm like, nothing. You can't do anything at all. Can't do a thing. Uh, but you know what? You know what can make me feel better? Talking about the Bears. Okay. That always makes me feel better. And not only talking about the Bears, but talking about the recipe for success. Anthony Heron did a deep dive on some teams, looked at some stats over the last 25 years, and has compiled what he thinks, and I think, are significant statistical variables that can kind of dictate how to be a good team. What are those? We'll give you the refresher and uh, continue to deep dive on those stats on the other side. It's Gabe Ramirez. It's Anthony Heron. It's Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back live with more of Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score and Odyssey Station. Hanging out till 9 o'clock. Usually Anthony and I are on TV on Friday nights together. Right. Today we're doing radio together on the nighttime. But, uh... Man, we got a long. You're way still well groomed, though. Actually, you even got a different vibe going than you usually do on TV. You kind of got the the full fade Some happening curls. on the side. Yeah, got the yeah. curls growing out on top a little. You bit. You know what it is? You can't test on new hairdos on TV. That's fair. Yeah, 
cannot yeah, do that. Because because you know what it is, you got to go through the growth stage, right, to get there. Mm-hmm. And you know, well, you know how it is. You get a fade, <laughs> you get a low fade. Is low yeah, is good. Right. The, the stage between a low fade and then like some hair, mm-hmm. that's not pretty. See, and so your hair in growing out, you know, you get the full curls going and right. everything. This me, I just kind of get. You know, it's just all around right now. I don't fade it up. I don't line it up. Nothing. Because normally when I'm kind of in consistent TV mode, I just shave it all off. Right. Just from a maintenance perspective. I don't want to spend time at the barbershop, and I definitely can't fade it up properly myself. Hold on. Time out. Time out. Mm -hmm. The reason you go bald during the season is because of maintenance, and you don't want to deal with a haircut every week. Do not want to deal with a haircut every week. No, sir. Got you know, no so interest in that. if you look at Ann's hairline, it's great. <laughs> Most people just assume I can't grow I hair because I've shaved my head bald for so long, like since my sophomore year in high school. But no, nah, I come from a long line of guys with, with full heads of hair. Now it's going to gray at some point, right. and then it'll stay super gray, which is fine because you won't know because I'm going to keep shaving it anyway. But yeah, I mean, like the the whole COVID season, you got grown like men out here hating you, and they they wish they could grow their hair out, and you're you're, you're stealing their hairstyle on purpose. Uh, yeah, man, it's just it's all about maintenance. That's all I'm looking to do. Yep, I just shave it bald. Now I can grow a full voluptuous fro on my head. Now the facial hair, I can't right. grow that good. Like, well, I cannot grow the full beard in. Same, same. I got I got problems there, but but I think there needs to be some sort of. I'm going to bet you something at some yeah. point where the the cost of said bet is okay. like a. Three-inch fro. You know what I'm okay. I got to I got to find Kobe. a picture from 2020. Okay. Maybe it was even 2021 where I had it. Like, I had the full pick in it and everything. Now, again, this is off-season time yeah. right there where I just let it ride for a couple right. of months and just kind of really let it grow out. But it's it, it takes a minute. Um, yeah, on the face, never going to happen. But on I've, the head, I can grow it out. That's what's up, man. Stroking I've, his hair. <laughs> Shout out, Jody. Uh, I, right. I, uh, yeah, I've always hated my hair growing up. I never liked really? it because because it goes it does everything it doesn't like there might you might see a curl but if you really mm. look at my hair like it's like one nice curl <laughs> and then like it's a bunch of hair it's it does everything nice yeah it does like a bunch of stuff you know what I mean which is obviously makes sense right you put Puerto Rican in your hair uh-huh. like, my right. hair does what I am you got the in between bunch of stuff right, yeah. right exactly uh-huh. so I always I never liked it and then I so I always had it low but like you when I went to away to college and, and when I was in high school because I was playing football and uh-huh. basketball. I was shaving it bald too because oh, okay. I All never. Right. And then I, I remember, like, I'm talking about like with a razor. Like, I would take a, right. a razor to my head, right. And, right. and I was at, you know, in college doing that. And then just one of my girlfriends was like, "Why don't you let your hair grow?" I'm like, "No, I've never done that in <laughs> six, seven years." You know, uh, right? yeah. And then I do it, so now it's more like a winter thing. Okay, you know, yeah. like a little cold. more insulation on the head. I really want to get a haircut uh-huh. for a couple weeks, and I'll just do that, and then. I'll do that. That's what I'm waiting for with my son. Whenever we are going to take a trip somewhere, go somewhere warm sometime next month or whatever, I'm just kind of letting his hair ride for right now, letting it grow out shop. a little bit. But, yeah, because I, I cut his hair. But then yeah. I'm going to do something probably similar to yeah. this, similar yeah. to what you yeah. got yeah. going it's right now something. before we actually do no. end up taking a trip somewhere. I don't mind being a model for the, the pope when we get there. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, on the other side, two things very important. One, there is a new member, or excuse me, a returning member. Uh, to Illinois basketball. Right. Who is that? You probably have an idea, but we'll let you know that on the other side. And then we will continue our NFL discussion on success and how it pertains to the Chicago Bears. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron. It's 670 to score. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. 
baseball your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.